In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God, our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you have promised. Make us love what you have commanded. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the 13th Sunday after Trinity is recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 28. The children of Israel carried away captive of their brethren 200,000 women, sons and daughters. And they also took away much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Obed. And he went out before the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Look, because the Lord God of your fathers was angry with Judah, he has delivered them into your hand. But you have killed them in a rage 
that reaches up to heaven. And now you propose to force the children of Judah and Jerusalem to be your male and female slaves. But are you not also guilty before the Lord your God? Now hear me, therefore, and return the captives whom you have taken captive from your brethren, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Then some of the heads of the children of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Jehonan, Berechiah the son of Meshelamoth, Jehizkiah the son of Shalom, and Amasa the son of Haldai, stood up against those who came from the war and said to them, You shall not bring the captives here, for we already have offended the Lord. You intend to add to our sins and to our guilt, for our guilt is great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the leaders and all the assembly. Then the men who were designated by name rose up and took the captives, and from the spoil they clothed all who were naked among them, dressed them, and gave them sandals, gave them food and drink, and anointed them. And they let all the feeble ones ride on donkeys. So they brought them to their brethren at Jericho, the city of palm trees. Then they returned to Samaria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is recorded in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet, if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Luke, the tenth chapter. Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. And behold, a lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, 
A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord.
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. This is the word of the Lord. Before the fall into sin, there was no need for God's law. Because when God created all things were very good. The law describes what God's creation looks like and what God's goodness looks like and the state of innocence whereby man was created to love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love his neighbor, what it looks like. In other words, what the law articulates as good and right was built into the creation. So there was no need for the written law. The written law, if you will, was incarnate, enfleshed in the creation itself. That's why the hymn that we sang as the gradual hymn was correct when it said the law of God is good and right. St. Paul says in the epistle for today that the law was added in its written form because of transgression. Why was it necessary? It was necessary because after the fall into sin, no longer did we live in a state of innocence according to the perfect and lovely description of what is good and right from God according to what we now have in the law, but we had fallen so far away from it that the corruption of sin tainted every aspect of our being. So not only was the law of God not seen in evidence in humanity, but humanity was completely turned inward and the opposite of what the law describes was seen in the affairs of mankind. So the law was added because of transgression that the objective written code of what was right and wrong would be on displayed objectively for all to see as a mirror 
that reflects and shows what we really are apart from the God of love who created us and who had declared everything to be good. There is a danger and misunderstanding that we all have with respect to the law. And that is that we do not see its connection to the gospel. Did you know that at the heart of God's law is undeserved mercy, compassion? Why is that so? Because God's law articulates what God is in his essence. And in his essence, God is love. Instead, we tend to look at the law the way we use rules and regulations in our own lives as a club to beat people up that we don't like and that don't do the things that we want them to do. So in the name of the law and what is right, we club people over the head. It's not the purpose of the law. And it's because of sin which at its heart for us is loveless and has no compassion and no mercy, that we even take the good law of God and turn it into a weapon against those who do not please us. You see, since the fall into sin, man's nature has always been one of self-serving. He thinks only about himself. This is your sinful nature. This is my sinful nature. There's no escaping it. And it even plagues us as Christians after we have been converted and come to know a love which is wholly different from our love. The law of God is good. And at the heart of God's law is, believe it or not, mercy. But this is why St. Paul says such startling things. By the works of the law, no flesh can be justified. Why? Because all flesh, since the fall into sin, has no love for God. And no love for the neighbor that's pure. But when St. Paul says in the epistle that the works of the law do not justify, they do not save, they do not declare us righteous, he doesn't mean that God's mercy takes the law and then just says, never mind, throws it away. No, what the law says is right and good, and the law must be upheld because the law describes what God is like. What God is, what God created us to be that we are not since the fall into sin. So while we cannot justify and save ourselves by the works of the law in any sense because of the problem of sin that pervades every aspect of our being, the Son of God in human flesh did for us in our place. And this is the connection between the law and the gospel. 
Every demand the law makes of you, which since the fall into sin accuses you if you're honest about it, and pierces you down to the very soul of your being, O wretched man that I am, the wickedness of my heart, everything the law demands of you, Jesus himself not only fulfilled, but is. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is love for God with all his heart and with all his might and with all his strength and with all his mind. He is love for the neighbor in place of himself. The gospel proclaims that everything that the law demanded, everything that the law described, which we fall miserably short of, even the greatest saint who has ever lived doesn't keep the law. Jesus is and has done for us. That's what St. Paul is talking about when he talks about the promise. The promise refers to the gospel. And the promise of salvation was given before the law. The promise of salvation was articulated in Genesis 3.15, that seed of the woman that would crush the serpent's head. That promise of the gospel was given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. In you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And when the children of Israel were in Egypt, it was that promise that sustained them. That Egyptian bondage was a picture of how we cannot escape the problem of sin. But there is one who is our deliverer, our redeemer, the one who in the shedding of his blood satisfied the law. And so St. Paul says, what purpose does the law serve? It was added because of transgression till the seed notice the singular, should come to whom the promise, the promise of the gospel was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. You see, the law and the gospel go together, and they go together in Christ's sacrifice upon the cross. If there had been a law given which could have given life, Uh, by our obedience to this law, which is impossible because of our fall and bondage to sin, if law had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise, the promise of the gospel by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. What does this mean? It means that for us as Christians who continue to daily struggle with sin, it means that Jesus and Jesus only is our comfort. Jesus and Jesus only is our life. It means that to be a Christian and to live with other sinners like us is to believe in that mercy of God that we don't deserve. When Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan to the lawyer who asked him these questions, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You see how there he uses the law 
as a means to obtain some benefit to himself. That's sinful. But we all do it. It's the nature of our flesh. And so Jesus' parable of the good Samaritan holds up this Samaritan, the enemy of the Jew, as the one who befriends the fallen man who is beaten up on the side of the road. It wasn't the priest whose office was to intercede in mercy for those who were downtrodden. It wasn't the Levite who was called to use his possessions not for his own welfare, but the welfare of another. It was the Samaritan whom the Jews considered to be their worst enemy. He's the one who through no thought of benefit to himself, reached out to that man, bandaged his wounds, poured in oil and wine, set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, paid for everything, and when I return, whatever more is spent, I will pay for it. And he didn't do that to get a pat on the back or for his own benefit. He did that because in his heart was love, selfless love, sacrificial love, mercy, That good Samaritan was the incarnation of the fulfillment of the law. Because that good Samaritan is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ himself. While we were yet sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us, not for his own benefit, but for yours. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us and gave his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. In Jesus, the law and the gospel come together. Everything that the law describes as good, from our loving relationship to God, to the sanctity of life and love we are called to have for one another, finds its quintessential fulfillment in Jesus. And the ultimate expression of that love and mercy is that he died for our sins. This is my righteousness. The lawyer wanted to justify himself by his own works. There is no justification. Not for any of us, pastor, people, saint, sinner, because we're all cut from the same cloth. But there is justification in the seed of Abraham. The one who, from the foundation of the world, was designated to be Everything that the law describes as good. And who gave himself for our salvation. This must be our comfort. It's the only ground of certainty. I forgive your sin, your iniquity I remember no more. I have clothed you with the garments of salvation. I have covered you with the robe of righteousness. And wonder of wonders, the receiving of the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the justification of our Lives as sinners who are declared righteous. It is this proclamation and reception by faith of the love of God in Jesus that makes a beginning of transforming us into little good Samaritans for one another. But it's never perfect in this life, never. We are called to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, which is an expression of how we are justified by faith declared righteous by faith in Christ, who has kept the law for us, and to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, because we cannot even begin to live the Christian life apart from him, apart from his mercy. For his mercy and his love 
in his death upon the cross is the fulfillment of the law and the righteousness and salvation that comes by a simple promise. I am your gracious God and my love never fails. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us confess the faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God on earth and for all people according to their needs. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the grace to proclaim the triumph of the cross throughout the world, the victory of that love which hate could not destroy and that life which death could not overcome, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our congregation and academy that we may grow in our knowledge of the Lord and his love for us, let us pray to the Lord. For the office of the Holy Ministry, for Reverend Uttenreither being installed at Ascension Lutheran Church, for the Lord's guidance and blessing upon our calling of an associate pastor and headmaster, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for all catechumens and those inquiring into the faith, that Christ, who has begun his good work in them by his word and spirit, would bring it to completion on the day of the Lord, let us pray to the Lord. For all the baptized, especially Charlie Dine, Lindsay Kenyon, Noah DePew, Sue Kaminsky, and Daniel Laubenstein, 
that they may live the life of repentance and faith in their Savior, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of faithfulness in holy wedlock, for Reverend Gary and Susan Gelbach, Kevin and Rachel Ruley, Brian and Melissa Brendel, celebrating wedding anniversaries, let us pray to the Lord. For the nations, that war, hate, and bloodshed may be overcome by peace, justice, and mercy. For all who serve in the armed forces of our nation. For those suffering in Afghanistan, that they may be delivered from their pain and torment. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In thanksgiving for sustaining grace, for Jim Nietzsche, Jeremy Lafour, Abruyeba Amaso, Kevin Karras, and Louise Bollmeyer, that God would continue their healing, his healing work in them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who have requested our intercessions and our suffering afflictions of the body, especially Andrea, Jason Peterson's sister, hospitalized with COVID-19. Carol Bender, hospitalized with low sodium and electrolyte imbalance. Dave Spitzenberger, friend of the traps, undergoing tests. Gabby Hartwig, continuing treatment for childhood cancer. And James Loker, a friend of the congregation, suffering with liver cancer. That commended into the Father's loving hands, he would lead them out of their troubles. Let us pray to the Lord. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord who, having created all things, took on human flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary. For our sake he died on the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death, thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. 
Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive. Renew and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers. Deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. O Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, in giving us your body and blood to eat and to drink, you lead us to remember and confess your holy cross and passion your blessed death, your rest in the tomb, your resurrection from the dead, your ascension into heaven, and your coming for the final judgment. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen. to the divine service this morning. I want to encourage you to uh, pay attention to those things in the bulletin as another season of catechesis is approaching. Uh, there'll soon be announcement on the Didache too, which should begin in uh, October also. Uh, adult catechesis and uh, renewal in the foundations of the faith and of the liturgy uh, for our own members. It's going to be, generally speaking, Thursday night this, week, star uh, this year, uh, starting in uh, October. There's also a special parent 
uh, meeting for Sunday school age children um, on Tuesday, September 7th. And I'm really uh, desirous of at least one parent from all families, preschoolers, or infancy actually, on up through eighth grade. So I can also lay out to you uh, the uh, goals that we're trying to achieve in supporting you as, as parents bringing up your children in the nurture and love of the Lord. Now we have a public service announcement from John here. Uh, good morning. Uh, you may have seen a fish fry update in your bulletin. And I'm sure after you all read this, you're wondering, how can I help? What would I be doing? Uh, so I wanted to give you a quick update. We're looking for volunteers to assist. If you're not uh, familiar with it, the Fish Fry is a large fundraiser for the Academy. Uh, we have planned to run 24 uh, drive through fish, fish fries this fiscal year. And starting in September, we run them basically every other week, more or less, uh, all the way through the school year. And in Lent, we run them every week except for Good Friday. Uh, and so we need a lot of volunteers as it's all volunteer run. Uh, and any schedules can be accommodated. So what would you be doing? So things throughout the week of a fish fry, uh, we have to cut and slice potatoes. We do hand uh, made homemade French fries. So we cut those on Wednesdays. can be done during the day or in the evening. On Thursdays, we package coleslaw during the day or in the evening. Uh, we have to par-fry uh, the potatoes on Thursday, usually during the day 